Hello, friends. My name is Jonathan Bryant. I am the host of the Edge of the Airy podcast. I have the privilege of serving as the Chief Administrator of Lincoln Charter. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight some of our amazing staff and stakeholders that are with us at Lincoln Charter and to share the college experiences of our guests in the course of our conversation. We all know that college preparation is the goal of Lincoln Charter. It's important to know that I'm a former middle school social studies teacher, so I'm always interested in getting to know others better, sharing compelling stories, learning from the past, and finding out more about the individuals that make Lincoln Charter a great school and an amazing community. So where does Edge of the Airy come from? You likely know that an eagle's nest is an airy, which obviously has significant meaning for our eagle nation. I intend for this podcast to give you a perspective from the Lincoln Charter community. Therefore, each episode will come to you from the edge of the airy. As you likely know, Lincoln Charter is one of the oldest and largest public charter schools in North Carolina. We were founded in 1998, and we have a K-12 campus in Lincolnton and in Denver. So let's get to today's guest Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Mr. Jonathan Beeler, who is the middle school administrator at our Lincolnton campus. Mr. Beeler, welcome to Edge of the Area. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. You've been with us since 2010, correct? Yep. So, been with us for a minute. Tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of your interests and anything that our listeners might like to know about you. Well, I grew up in Colorado. was born and raised there. Uh, I come from a large family. I'm the eighth of 10 kids. There's five boys and five girls. I don't okay. know how my parents manage that. And so growing up, I, I was a Boy Scout. Uh, I was like, I didn't participate in sports, really. That was not so much my jam, but I liked camping and hiking. And I got into mountain biking and rock climbing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did eventually become an Eagle Scout. And that was uh, that was pretty exciting for me at the time. We had a rule that we had to be able to, in my house, if we wanted to drive at 16, we had to get our eagle. Okay. And my four older brothers didn't do that. And so I watched them not do it. So I did it, got my eagle, which was awesome. But then I also got to drive at 16, which was also very awesome for me. But yeah, I went to school at BYU-Idaho. So went a few states over to go there. And uh, when I graduated, I felt the draw to the South. So I started applying in the area, got um, Mr. Machado, who was the chief administrator at the time, reached out to me mm-hmm. and asked if I was applying to the right Denver, essentially. And uh, <laughs> it's he, a uh, common question. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and started teaching as a, as a high school Spanish teacher, met my now wife, and we have three boys. Two of them are students here at Lincoln Charter. And that is, uh, that's an important detail that I missed on the intro, you're also a parent. So yeah. that's uh, that's obviously an important job in addition to everything else you have going on. So I think uh, that, I think you have the definition of a large family. When you said large family, that, that <laughs> also aligns with my definition of a large family. So good that you learned from the experiences of your older siblings. Yes. And I know when I got my license, it was one of the best days of my life. It's freedom. 
Yeah, it's great. Tell us a little bit about you. You mentioned you had previously served as a Spanish teacher with us, yeah. moved into administration. Tell me a little bit about sort of what you do in your job now and sort of how you have grown in your career trajectory here at the school. So I started as a high school Spanish teacher. Mm -hmm. I did that for six years here at the Denver campus. And I loved that. And many days I still miss doing that. Yep. Um, after a few years of teaching, that's when my wife and I were starting to think about a family. I was like, okay, uh, we were considering her not working. So I was trying to find a way that I could support a family. So we discussed administration and I started looking into that. And as I got into that program and started taking the classes, I really started getting into it and uh, was excited at the prospects of being able to, I guess, extend my reach. I wanted to be able to help more students and help other teachers and things like that. Part of that program and part of my desire to help, I started helping with the school improvement team here at the Denver campus at the time. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, involved a little bit of technology. Involved with te technology, yep. Mm -hmm. I helped with the computers and I still uh, remember days of cracking open computers in the classroom. Uh, <laughs> students would yep. bring them to me all the time and I'd be like, okay, I think I could fix that. And that was, I'm not trained in that, but problem solving mm -hmm. is what it is. Yep. And I think that's a lot of what I do as an administrator is problem solve yep. together with students, together with staff. I don't have all the answers, but, um, I think, I think a lot of times administrators are looked at like they should have all the answers yep. and that's, that's just not the case. Yep. And so, um, I think one of the big things that I do is make sure I get the right people at the table as an administrator to help us figure out how to help students, help mm -hmm. us figure out how to help teachers and help parents and, and get everybody on the same team. Yeah, that's important. I'm glad you said that. I think that sometimes, and this, this sort of applies to, to parents too, like sometimes our kids or society or something, it, uh, expects us to know all the answers or have all, you know, to yeah. know what to do in every situation. And, um, it, it, it does take a team and it takes surrounding yourself with smart people and all that problem solving, um, because it's impossible to do the right thing every time. And it's impossible to know all the answers. Right. So as we're talking about this, I think you were, when we started the one-to-one -one program, you were part of sort of that initial, like that's, that that was the yeah. initial sort of years when you were cracking open computers and trying to trying to teach the alphabet uh, at the same time. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. that seems like forever ago. It does. It does. I think that was probably my second or third year here mm -hmm. that we started that, and we we all had these giant HP computers. Uh, that, um, and they came with swag bags. All yep. those who were here long enough to remember <laughs> swag bags. Yep. Um, and then helped to bring it to, uh, Lincoln middle school as well. Mm -hmm. As I moved over to Lincoln middle school, that's one of the things that we looked at doing and expanded it to the middle school students with Chromebooks. Yeah. So it's hard to imagine Lincoln charter without us being one-to-one -one and sort of the, how technology has been just such a important part of everything that we do all the right. time, every day during COVID, all the everything. So right. that's, uh. It's been really key. I will mm -hmm. say, uh, like it's been very helpful. It helps us to gain access to information and material, help students learn how to use the technology. It's important to be able to put that away as well yep. and, and, uh, connect with others. And, uh, I, I still think that there's some magic that happens when you write down notes 
by hand, when you write things down by hand, yep. that helps you remember it better. So, um, and when I taught, I tried to find a balance between using the computer and using uh, paper, yep. essentially, and old technology. Yeah, there's studies and research on handwriting and and not losing the connection to some tangible things and uh, the appropriate balance of technology. So that's yeah. important points. As somebody that's very familiar and acquainted with our community, what what do you appreciate? Is there anything that you want to highlight or say that you appreciate about the school? Um, there, there's lots of things, but one of the main things, uh, as I'm talking to new families that I like to highlight, and as I'm talking with existing families, I frequently hear, and I feel this a lot myself, is the family feel. We are a large school in many ways, but being large, we still have a very small feel. You know, in middle school and high school, there's about a hundred students in each grade. Mm -hmm. And so you really get to know them well. Mm -hmm. Like everybody gets to know each other. The teachers get to really know the students. The teachers, uh, the students get to know the teachers. And it's a, it's a different relationship than I've seen when I've been at other schools, like where I student taught or when I've gone to visit other schools, like there's just a closer connection there. Mm -hmm. um, and through that connection, we're able to support each other. We have um, some really tight bonds and we know that we love each other and we're here for each other. And it's it's just really cool to see those connections grow over the years. Like I've been here now uh, just about 13 full years. And it's like, even when I come back to the Denver campus, there's still people that I know and I see and I'm able to connect with. There's people that I've gotten really close to at the Lincoln campus and the way we're able to support each other as we get to know each other more, it, it's really pretty incredible. Yeah. I love that feel. Yeah, I think I think that K-12 feel and the family connection, seeing families that, you know, you have their older kids, you see their kindergartners come in, you see them graduate is super unique and just really, really awesome. Definitely appreciate that. And it also is coming from two parents you see your kids in the hallways and stuff that is, uh, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty fun, pretty magical too. It's pretty so. fun. Um, tell me, you mentioned your college experiences a little bit. Obviously we try to make sure that we're providing some good advice and some exposure to different schools and whatnot, um, from a college, uh, perspective. And so if you could talk a little bit about your undergrad and graduate experiences yeah. and just, just give us some, some idea for those two uh, institutions. Right. So like I mentioned, I went to BYU-Idaho. Mm -hmm. uh, BYU or Brigham Young University, they actually have three campuses. The main one is in Provo, Utah. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that most people think of, the, the Y. And, uh, but they have a satellite campus at, in Idaho and another one in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Pretty hard to get into Hawaii. A lot of people want to try and go there, but it's a, it's a smaller school. And Idaho is as well. But I loved it. For me, it was perfect. I love outdoors and it's in the middle of nowhere short run to the Tetons or to Yellowstone or the Sawtooths. And I wish I'd spent more time mm -hmm. in, outside of there, but I did get to spend a decent amount of time outside of it. And um, as far as the college goes, it, it had a small community feel as well. Most of my classes were really small, especially as I got into my Spanish major. Um, some of them were, there were only about four or five students in them. So mm -hmm. I really got to connect with the teachers. I saw them multiple times throughout different classes. Uh, they did a really good job of preparing us for the workforce, uh, I feel. And one of the best things for me that I did there 
uh, was talking to one of the academic counselors. That was an assignment that one of my teachers made us do. And that was the best thing because I was able to lay out my whole plan for how I, what classes I want to take to graduate. And they helped me to see one of the systems they have. They actually have essentially three semesters a year that you can go into. And once you reach 60 credits, you can go year round. Okay. And so I was able to, through that, I ended up graduating a year earlier than mm-hmm. I would have otherwise. So that was very beneficial uh, for me just to be able to get into my career financially, not spending an extra year in college yep. was helpful. And they did a good job also of like coaching us as far as interviews and resumes and how to get connected. So that one assignment really like changed, like made, so that that was one conversation with a counselor? That was one conversation. That that really just dramatically changed like your trajectory maybe or something. Yeah. About 30 minutes of time completely changed my trajectory throughout college. So Um, word of advice is don't be afraid to talk to people and certainly enlist your counselors yeah. is the is the message that I'm hearing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Another thing that changed my career uh, and my trajectory was after a year of college, I went and served a mission for my church, mm-hmm. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I was thinking of being a photographer. So I was taking art classes. But as I decided to make the decision to serve, um, they kind of send you wherever Uh, you don't really get to pick where you go, but it's a two-year thing that you're signing up for. And I got sent down to the Santiago, Chile area. Mm -hmm. And that's where I learned Spanish, fell in love with the language, fell in love with the people. And uh, that completely changed the trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. So as I came back, I knew I wanted to become, do something with Spanish. Mm -hmm. I was looking at my options. Mm -hmm. I saw a Spanish education. I I was like, that's that's the one for me. That's where I want to go. So the, so your mission, tell us a little bit about that. So yeah, you ser- you sign up to serve a mission. It, like, obviously it's very faith-based. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very religious decision that you make, but there's lots of benefits that I have seen in my life. There's a lot of structure, but also a lot of freedom to make what we would consider to be good decisions and right decisions and learn how to work hard. There's a lot of leadership opportunities mm-hmm. and I was given and many missionaries who serve are given those opportunities. And so it's, it's a, it's a really big platform to help build independent people who, who are self-driven and Mm self-motivated. And I think that that's another big piece as to what got me into education is, is I learned to love teaching. I love teaching. I loved connecting with people. And I had opportunities through the leadership positions also to help other missionaries to do those things. And so I think that like, again, it changed my whole, whole life. Mm -hmm. And I think in previous conversations, we've talked a little bit about you you received some training for that leading up to it, but you're sort of thrown in and expected to kind of figure it out right at the same time. Right. Depending on where you're going, you, uh, there's a few different training centers. I went to the one that's in Provo, Utah, and I was there for nine weeks. And so you spend that time learning the language, learning how to teach and studying the scriptures, the Bible and, and the Book of Mormon. And then you get flown to wherever you're going. So I flew down with another set of uh, missionaries down to Chile. And along the way, a few of the stops, a few of them dropped off and went to where they're supposed to go and spend a day with a mission president. There's a, like an adult couple, mission president and his wife, who are in charge of all of these young missionaries who are trying to figure life out. Right. Yep. <laughs> and... Uh, 
And so they greet you, welcome you into their home, and then they pair you up with someone who's already been there and they're like, all right, go figure it out. So you're, you're again, there's a lot of support because you're there with someone who's already been there. There's a leadership structure and things like that and they're checking on you. But a lot of it is you're just thrown out there and that really surprised me when I got down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one of the, like culturally, I was really naive mm-hmm. before going and I honestly expected to be going to like a third world country and was very surprised to see um, it's really not that different mm-hmm. than the, any major city in the United States. Just everything's in Spanish. Mm-hmm. They have all the same systems, all the same stuff. And, and it was, it was eye opening for me. It was, it was really, it, it was a blessing to go. It, it helped open my eyes to a lot of things in the world. And I feel like there's, I studied abroad in my undergrad and um, a lot of my experience was at Dickinson was very, like there were a lot of people that studied abroad just as part of sort of the expectations of the college and, and whatnot. And I always found that it was sort of tough to explain because it was so overwhelming, life-changing and amazing yeah. in my case yeah. and for a lot of my a lot of my friends and the people that I talk to and so it sort of is it's sort of is tough on a half hour podcast to to like tap into all the impact but yeah. if any of our listeners have the opportunity to travel live abroad in whatever capacity whether it's a mission or a study abroad or whatever it can absolutely change your life for highly you. recommend it yeah highly recommend it yeah so favorite thing to eat in uh, Chile? I know that's like the toughest question I'm going to throw at you today. (laughs) (laughs) So empanadas, Mm -hmm. they eat a lot of empanadas down there. Okay. And while I liked their, their national empanada, it has ground beef, onion, half of a boiled egg and a whole olive, including the pit, all their olives have pits. Okay. So you you find that pit and you spit it and it has raisins in there too. Like it's, it sounds weird, but it grows on you not a great mix of like what we would do here in America. Right. But I, I, I liked those. My favorite was the cheese and they had chorizo, but it was not how we had chorizo. It was a slightly different sausage. So they're like sausage links that they put in there with tomato. There's one place in downtown Rancagua that had a really good empanada. And so I, whenever I got the chance, I loved hitting that up. And you're drinking what drink to, to wash that down. <laughs> So one of the things, like everybody would offer you food or something to drink whenever you visited someone. And we were always visiting people. And in the dead of summer, they would mix up fruit drinks for you really quick. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was a powder, which was good. But sometimes they'd throw like fresh fruit in a blender. And it just really just be blended fruit with maybe a little bit of water or something. I don't know what they did to it, but. Uh, it was, it was amazing. It was always so good on a hot summer day, get a cold glass of like, um, honeydew. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. They would do that. And I don't really like honeydew, but that is a drink with like the froth on top. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Well, and sometimes the, sometimes that like talking about a drink that hits you just so in the summer when it's super hot is... Like you can have the same drink in the winter and it's like, it's not, not the same. Yeah, it's just it's not the same. It's the same thing, but it's not the same. Right. So, um, well, we're recording this early and I'm ready for lunch already. Uh, <laughs> that story. Um, 
Is there anything you do differently with those college years, uh, your mission years, anything that you uh, sort of looking back, what, uh, what would you do differently? That's, that's hard to say. Um, I think if there's one thing that I would do differently, it would probably be to explore a few different classes while I was in college. Okay. Um, I mean, I had friends who were taking snowboarding classes and were taking fly fishing and fly tying classes and things like that. Love it. That would have been really cool. And I'm kicking myself because I like fly fishing, but I didn't get into it until I moved to North Carolina. So I lived in Idaho, which is like people travel to Idaho to fly fish. And I didn't do anything with it. And I thought my friend who was taking fly tying classes was kind of weird at the time. Uh, (laughs) And now I'm like, I I should have done it. You should have followed my friend. Yeah, That's an important point because as adults, sometimes we can focus on how is this going to be useful for you? And does this align perfectly with your career? And we talk, and and it's important to talk about college and sort of those early years in that way. At the same time, it's also important to love life and love what you do and have different experiences that you would not have otherwise. And that in college, in many cases is the place to do that. It's a great time to do it. If you like, because once life really starts hitting you with a career, and family and things like that, uh, your opportunity to explore slows down quite yep. a bit. Yep. Before we wrap up the college uh, sort of education part of this, anything you'd like to say about your master's and sort of that experience, how that went? Yeah. So I went to UNC uh, Charlotte and it was a satellite program. So it was, it was, uh, they came to us. It was pretty mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. I didn't, ever have to go down to UNC Charlotte. We held all of our classes here locally in Lincolnton. There was enough of a cohort of people in the area who were working on their admin degree. So there were about six of us who took classes all together and the professors came to us. We met at the School of Technology in Lincolnton. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was a great experience. There were probably two professors who really um, stuck with me, the things that I learned in their classes. I don't remember what the classes were, but Dr. Shore was one that I'd had her twice. And both times she talked a lot about the brain. So in addition to the course she was required to teach, she would tack on a unit about the brain uh, at the front of each class. And that was, that was actually really helpful for me as I taught and as an administrator to know, okay, this is how we learn. And these are things that I should push for with our students and encourage our staff to do. The other classes was school law and that was taught by Mickey Dunaway mm-hmm. and it was that was probably my most difficult class but one that I loved the most. He had very high expectations for us mm-hmm. and it took us all a little while to figure out what exactly he was looking for and I remember a lot of especially at the beginning of the semester spending a lot of time just feeling really frustrated because I'm like I don't I don't know you know mm-hmm. uh, but he was he led a mastery classroom so you can redo assignments until you got it, until he deemed that that was, that was good that you did it well enough and you understood the content. Just the way he taught and structured his class, that helped me and guided me a lot towards, okay, what are some things that I, I think is, is good teaching practice right. uh, in regards to grading and grade book and just gave me a good solid foundation just content-wise with what are the laws in regards to school 
and how are they there to support students and families and, and how can we best, how can I best help guide teachers to understand that and make decisions and things like that? It's pretty common for whenever I talk to a school administrator, school law, that class is uh, at whatever institution inevitably comes up as a pretty important experience in their, in that, that whole program. So yeah. that is not a surprising answer, <laughs> um, but good that, good that it was helpful and um, that, you had, that you had a good experience with that. All right, Mr. Bueller, I always like to ask if there's somebody that you want to give a shout out to somebody in your life that's been a formative person for you to know, a hero, mentor, however you, however you want to answer the question. Okay. Well, there's definitely a lot of people in my life who I consider to be mentors and have guided me to where I am and continue to do so. Uh, but I'd say probably the biggest influence on my life has been my wife, Janet. Um, I, you know, prior to meeting her and uh, our relationship, I, you know, I thought well, I grew up with five sisters and most of my brothers are the closest one in age to me is seven years older than me. So they were like moved out pretty, pretty early on in my life. So I spent most of my life around my sisters and I thought I understood women well. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that I was an empathetic person, that I was a patient person and understood people well, but she has really helped me to understand what empathy really is mm -hmm. and how to listen and validate and how to connect with other people. Uh, she's been a huge influence in my life in many ways, more than just that, but that is, that is one of the biggest ways and wouldn't be who I am or where I am at all without her. Shout out Janet. Awesome. That's uh, <clears throat> and you get to live with her. So you have a continued, Pretty, you have a continued a good deal. influence. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome too. That's good. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I, I had two brothers, so not as many as you, but hopefully I had some degree of influence on my brothers um because your uh, your family definitely can can shape yeah shape a lot of who you are but great for great for your partner in life to be a a formative individual uh also like to ask all of our listeners if there's a book recommendation or anything that you have read recently that you want to highlight uh, I've been reading the Percy Jackson series with, uh, trying to keep up with my third grader who's, who's really into them. Cool. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're easy, quick reads. He has a lot more time to read than I do, which is my claim <laughs> to why he's finished before me, <laughs> but, uh, they're, they're good. If you're into, um, just hero stories and, and young adult literature, they're a good, fun read, entertaining. They're great. It's good to read stuff that your kids are interested in yeah. too and have experience that way. Yeah. And our sixth graders, uh, at the Lincoln campus have been reading, they read the first book as okay. part of class. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a great way for me to connect with the students. Always looking for uh, quality educators, always looking for ways to develop relationships and connect with your kids. So yeah. that's great. Is there anything about you that most of our listeners might not know? I would say there's most of the students would have figured this out because of the, the dances that we have in middle school, but I do enjoy dancing uh -huh. and it's not a pretty sight, but I, <laughs> I have a good it's time in, doing that. It's all in the eye of the beholder though. <laughs> right, right. 
so there, the Halloween dance is one of my favorite events just because we get to let loose. And I think all the teachers feel the same way. And uh, once the kids see us dancing and acting ridiculous, then mm -hmm. they loosen up and it's fun to see, fun to see them in a different light, yeah. in a different setting. Besides you, in the middle school, who is the best dancer oh, from, and I'm talking teachers. Teacher-wise. I'm talking. Teacher uh, <laughs> uh, I know that's putting you on the spot. That is putting me on the spot. Well, that's hard to say. Miss Dolan is a great dancer. Uh -huh. She is. She has a dance background. She does have a dance a little, background. A so it's a little unfair with that. I would yeah. say Miss Sandy. Okay. She teaches. Yeah, yep. she does Latin dance. She has her Latin dance class, and which is one of our most popular yep. electives. Right. So two. The other, so those two, and I'd say I feel like um, the seventh grade team gets really into the dancing. Mm -hmm. Other other teachers do as well, but they <laughs> they seem to really let loose and get into it as well. But there's they all love it. They yeah. all love it. That's good. So. That's good. Well, it's it's a good fun time and part of life. Tell me what, if you're ordering pizza, what's going to be on? I usually go for Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Usually, and a lot of people feel that pineapple doesn't belong on pizza, but that's, I don't know, I love it. It's okay for those people to be wrong sometimes though, right? It is okay. It is okay. And uh, there's a local place in Lincolnton, Goodwood, mm -hmm. that um, I love their Hawaiian. They put like a honey drizzle on top. And it's got the pineapple and Canadian bacon. And I think they put a little bit of real bacon on there as well as uh, with some like hot pepper flakes. It's good stuff. Okay. Well, I appreciate you, sir. Uh, appreciate your influence on our school, all of your hard work. And um, you can, you can truly tell when someone makes decisions that are in the best interest of staff, students and families, and you're that type of person. So I really appreciate your Thank you influence on the school and your work ethic and the person that you are. So thanks for being on the edge of the area. Thank you. It's and been a pleasure. it was a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. So I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this episode. Check out future episodes. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for taking the time to listen to the edge of the area. Like everything at Lincoln Charter, it takes a great team to make this podcast happen. The Edge of the Airy is produced by Jonathan Bryant and Taylor Helms, and Miss Helms is also our senior editor. Graphics and artwork are by Melissa Lasarski, and our music is brought to you by Next Mike, who you may also know as Michael Paulino Albin. Our team uses the free Anchor app to create each episode, which is found at anchor.fm. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Feel free to rate or review the podcast. It may help others to discover this content. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off until next time.